The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes after eight here on AM Live. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. If you've just joined us, if you've been with us all morning, thanks for staying with us. Now, we've heard uh, the Sudanese government say that it is unfazed by the court challenge to try and have their president arrested. Now, rights bodies are in court to force the South African government to abide by the Rome Statute and arrest uh, Umar al-Bashir, who is facing two warrants of arrest from the International Criminal Court. Bashir got support from the Zimbabwean government that currently chairs the African Union and the ANC says that government has done nothing wrong. So on the forum at 8 this morning, we ask you, should African leaders actually protect President Umar al-Bashir? And of course, there are many other questions that subsequently flow from that. Should, um, you know, al-Bashir be arrested in South Africa? What should South Africa do about the situation right now? And um, could South Africa find itself on a collision course with the rest of the continent if they arrest al-Bashir? And if not, do they find themselves on a collision course with the rest of the world? So, so many questions to mull over this morning. And as always, the lines are open. You can join in on the discussion on 891 SMS us on the number 34701. Tweet or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And um, we have a full panel here this morning to just uh, try and understand what is going on right now. And joining us on the line, Professor Chris Landsberg. Uh, thank Thanks so much for speaking to us this morning, Prof. Thanks for having me, Sakina. And uh, also, um, Ambassador Tom Wheeler is in studio with us. Thanks for coming through. My pleasure. Uh, from uh, the uh, Sowetan, we have Nompumelelo Arunji. Thanks for your time as well. Thank you for having me, Sakina. And we have uh, from the African uh, National Congress, Mr. Um, Obed Bapela, who is, of course, also uh, joining in on this conversation. Thanks for speaking to us as well, Mr. Bapela. Thank you very much. Now, Mr. Bapela, you are the ANC's Head of International Relations. And, you know, obviously the uh, situation that South Africa finds itself in right now is a rather unenviable one. But I guess the question that most people want answered is whether Umar al-Bashir is still in South Africa. Well, uh, as I speak to the nation of the SAFM, I thank you very much for inviting me, Sakina. We are not aware that he has left the country as yet, and I think once that information is known, the government will communicate that uh, that particular piece of information. Yes, he also has a rumors that we do not know at this stage as ANC. And it all sounds, you know, very uh, suspect at the moment, Mr. Papela, because nobody seems to be willing to actually you know, basically just come out and confirm the whereabouts of Mr. Umar al-Bashir. Surely somebody has to know where he is. Well, government is the responding organization on this matter. Remember, even the court case that has been brought was brought against government, and government has asked for a delay so that it could then put the facts across to the nation through the court uh, in responding to the issue. So once that uh, issue has happened, I think government will be communicating. It's quite difficult for it as a respondent now to quickly just come in and jump into uh, whatever issues that are uh, at play now. And I think through its argument in court uh, this morning, we'll be able then to know why we had invited all leaders of uh, the AU to be here uh, through the immunity gathering acts also that we had also published in the government gazette. 
and no one objected for 10 days before the summit itself to any of the immunity that was issued to all the people that were invited to come and participate. Only when the session was on, then the Southern, uh, Southern African Litigation Center then comes up only after. Because if they had raised the objection and went to court earlier, we would have advised President Ibashir not to come because of the issues of the court, because we are a country that respects the rule of law, of law and also a country that respects human rights, not undermining, obviously, the cross violation of human rights that took place there. However, we have a view on ICC as now becoming no longer a useful instrument in the, in the world because each country, super country, superpower country, are refusing to accede to that particular instrument, therefore undermining the very, very noble goal of what the ICC has intended to be. But as it stands right now, Mr. Bopela, South Africa is a member of the ICC and as such, it has to basically uh, abide by the rules uh, that govern it. We are a member of the ICC, definitely, we still are. And then obviously the ANC as an organization is not beginning to refute position since the summary of uh, the president of uh, of Kenya at the time. We started discussion then, we have not yet concluded. There are two views, obviously, that are strongly emerging within the ANC, uh, considering to withdraw or to continue, however, urging all other nations that have signed, because everybody signed, is only the exceeding part of it where they are just refusing to do. So we've got the right to either volunteer to continue to be a member, or we can also volunteer to be opting out of it because everybody is doing that, they are not even exceeding to it. So it's a voluntary position, however, the ANC stood ground at the time because it was a noble instrument. And it remains noble. However, only if you do not undermine it. So where does the ANC stand on this matter right now? Should Omar al-Bashir be arrested? We are saying no because the immunity of the gathering of the AU was applied within the rules that are applicable in the laws. And then the AU is the statutory body that exists on its own right, like any other international organization, such as the UN. When it meets, any leader can go and address the UN. They will never be arrested right in the soil in New York, uh, because that area is applicable to particular rules and that governs uh, its gathering. And therefore, the AU uh, is meeting under that particular uh, gathering of. Uh, the immunity, the immunity that was obviously uh, published and there were no objections. And so all leaders that are there, therefore, uh, have that particular immunity also applicable to all of them. So therefore, uh, the, uh, President Al-Bashir is attending the AU meeting. He's not visiting South Africa on state-to-state visit. He's here as a member of the AU. But what should happen now that uh, the immunity is being contested? Well, obviously, let's leave those matters to the court and then share the arguments and the outcome of the arguments uh, as soon as uh, the judgment is made. And that is why we are complying, we are cooperating, we are in court as government, to be the government I think will be presenting its argument. So, um, speaking of the courts and complying with the courts, Judge Fabricius yesterday actually ordered that al-Bashir not be allowed to leave South Africa. And what, what happens um, in the event hypothetically speaking, that he has left the country? 
Well, I'll leave that matter to those people who are responsible for the implementation of the rule of the court yesterday, that is all myself. And whatever is the issue, whether you're still in the country or not in the country, whether the, you have complied with the court, I think at that particular moment, indicate and give explanation. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time, ANC's Head of International Relations, Obed Bapela. Now, uh, the mind truly does boggle at this point because here is a state president and nobody seems to know whether he is still in the country or not. I mean, surely if he has to leave the country, it is not, you know, like trying to cross the Limpopo River. So I, I, for the life of me, Chris Landsberg, I can't understand why nobody is able to give us clarity on this matter. Well, maybe it's a matter of choice. Maybe people choose to uh, remain, to just use an interesting phrase, uh, strategically ambiguous, uh, ambiguous. In other words, not, not to confirm nor deny, but I agree with you. I mean, if, in fact, I listened to the justice spokesperson this morning, I mean, he, and, and he basically argued that you know, it's for other departments to know. No, it's, it's not true. It's, it's a head of state. Uh, people will know what the head of state uh, is leaving. But, but, I, but I tell you what's interesting about this point, though, Sakina. South Africa can't win this battle. Um, there's no way South Africa is going to go up against fellow African leaders, not, not on its own shores, maybe not even in another country. So I don't think that's conceivable that South Africa would arrest the president. South Africa can't win against Western powers. It can't win against the ICC because um, it has uh, obligations. And even more seriously, South Africa is bound to violate court decisions by its own courts, depending, of course, what the courts are going to decide. And it's not straightforward what the courts are going to decide because even in the ICC statutes, there are tensions on the issue of sovereignty and immunity. Mm. But, you know, it, it begs the question then, um, uh, Tom Wheeler, how did we get into this position? How did we find ourselves in this mess? <clears throat> well, if we listen to uh, uh, Mr. Bapella, he's saying that this was published in the Government Gazette and nobody, obje- and nobody objected. <clears throat> the, uh, the problem is that the man is in South Africa, the President, President Bashir. In 2009... He was invited to come here for the inauguration of President Zuma, but at the same time he was advised not to come. Now, I think it would have been smart if the South African government had done something similar this time, not saying, oh, this is not a South African government event, this is the AU. It's happening on South Africa's soil. So you cannot simply deny that it's our responsibility. Uh, If um, I mean, there was always the option that the Sudanese government could send the deputy president instead of the president and not confront South Africa and the various other players with this dilemma. Mm. And then, Nompumelelo Runje, where does this leave South Africa right now? Because as a member of the ICC, are we not legally obligated to basically arrest Omar al-Bashir? We have an obligation, Sakina, as South Africa, as member of the court, to to cooperate with the court on these issues. And the court has requested, the ICC has requested South Africa to to enforce the arrest warrant against al-Bashir at this time. And that's exactly what the South African Litigation Center is doing, by taking it to court uh, uh, in order for the magistrate to endorse the arrest warrant because Amar al-Bashir is on our soil. Now, I want to agree with Tom Wheeler on this. Um, There's a cognitive dissonance 
continents. Just because the AU is on the soil, it does on our soil, it doesn't by some magic or wish or some political machination turn it into an AU country, an AU soil. We still remain a sovereign state with obligations. And the other thing that's disheartening about what Obed Babela said, you can't put the onus on civil society to force government to uh, respect its own laws to abide by its own international obligations. Because that's what he's saying. No one objected to the, to, to the immunities gazetted on the 1st of June. So by that, uh, it means that no one actually had a problem with it. It doesn't matter that no one had a problem with it. What matters is that government has an obligation to abide by its own law. We've got an ICC Act that we domesticated in 2002, which states that we will cooperate with the court should that cooperation be requested, which it has been. Um, yes, I, I heard Chris Landsberg saying there is a bit of of uh, uh, attention about you know the immunities issues and sovereignty even within in the Rome, Rome statute itself but in terms of cooperation we have an obligation to cooperate and part of that cooperation would be uh, to enforce the arrest warrant and that's why we're in court today now we've put ourselves in a diplomatic dilemma as a nation because um, we first of all like uh, Chris was saying we are squaring off with the AU with our own African counterparts we're squaring off with the West because we are obliged uh, obviously to to uh, with the international community rather because we're obliged to abide by international law and at the same time we are we are squaring off with our own uh, domestic legal obligations I heard the spokesperson uh, for Omar Abashi yesterday say that he's confident that uh, the government of South Africa knows how to deal with with its own judiciary. I don't know what he meant by that. <laughs> I also thought that interesting. But uh, Professor Landsberg, and I want to, um, uh, if you will touch on what um, uh, Nompumelelo just said, and also this issue of uh, diplomatic ambiguity. I mean, in 2009, as um, Tom Wheeler was pointing out, we seemed clear on what was right and what needed to be done. Now, what has changed since? And how much of where we find ourselves right now is self-inflicted? So, but I, I, I really like the question because whereas Mpumalelo and, and, and Tom appears to be agreeing, I'm going to divert from them slightly. You see, my understanding is that we are merely the host. And on top of it, we're paying for it. For the meeting, we're paying for the EU gathering, but we are neither the chair of the of the gathering. I, I don't think Obel Papela's point should be taken lightly. That government went the extra step, even though it would have been assumed as rather automatic, that during an heads of, uh, a heads of state summit there would be diplomatic community, blanket diplomatic community for certainly for all heads of states, including the delegations. But that's not a moot point. So yes, here's the issue. The difference between 2009 with the presidential inauguration and this time around is that we were totally in control over a, a purely domestic event. This time around, not only is it clear that um, South Africa granted the diplomatic community because the ANC might have insisted on that, but South Africa certainly would have opened the doors and the floodgates for boycotts uh, of this summit uh, under the banner of xenophobia, but certainly because of the likely treatment of of President uh, al-Bashir. So I don't think it's as straightforward that, you know, um, we could have invited him and also disinvited him. In fact, I think that he was pretty um, daring to come here to test what South Africa is doing. What I can say to you, though, is that I don't have any doubt in my mind 
that this president, if he hasn't left already, will leave on, on time when he feels he wants to leave. I don't think South Africa will, will bring it to itself to arrest the president of Sudan. And what does that mean then? You know, um, I read uh, uh, an SMS earlier here from uh, one of our listeners who basically um, uh, spoke about, you know, uh, abiding by the rule of law. And I found it. I just want to read it again, Tom Wheeler. It says, if the AU, including South Africa, can disregard laws, can we as ordinary citizens also disregard laws that we think are unfair and discriminatory? You see, this is the dilemma that we've found ourselves in, uh, as I I said to you a little earlier. I think this is a a lose-lose situation. Everybody is going to lose from this. The credibility of the Department of Home Affairs, if he has left and they didn't prevent him, that we ignored the courts, that we are uh, alienating the International uh, Criminal Court and the other members, the um, we're, uh, you know, it's just, it's just everything has gone wrong here, and uh, it's most unfortunate. I don't think it's good for our national reputation. Nampumelano. Well, when you look at the situation, what the court will now have to decide today is whether this issue, this point that Orbit Babella was making about the fact that this is not a South African event, it's an AU event, is it? Uh, is, does the AU Immunity Gathering Act that was uh, gazetted in, on the 1st of June, is it enough to trump international obligations? Does it give South Africa the right to override its Rome Statute obligations? That's what the court will now have to answer for us on our behalf. Um, but the way I'm seeing it now, I don't think so. Like I said, I think we can't, we can't use the argument uh, that just because it's an AU event, what, but it's taking place on South African soil. But that's what the court will have to now look at and answer. It would be very interesting to see what uh, the Department of Justice is going to put forward as an argument in court about uh, the decision that uh, South Africa has taken. On the issue of rule of law, I completely agree uh, with um, the the SMS sent by your um, listener. Um, It is very difficult uh, for for ordinary citizens looking at the example of their own leaders and their own government in terms of uh, abiding by the law. If they themselves don't respect the rule of law, it would be a very difficult argument for them to make that the rest of uh, the citizens, ordinary citizens should abide by the rule of law. And what we're noticing generally in the country, we've seen even with the, the arguments around Nkandla, etc., it has really undermined uh, the value of the rule of law and how people perceive our government's uh, uh, um, commitment to abiding by the rule of law. And what we're seeing is growing lawlessness, even amongst ordinary people who say, uh, I've heard it even on this radio station, will call in and say, if our president uh, can't abide by certain principles, then why should we abide by certain laws? If our president doesn't agree with uh, paying certain things, why should we, you know, uh, agree with paying uh, things that we don't agree with, etc.? So the actions of those uh, who lead does have an impact on how ordinary citizens then perceive the place of the law, the power of the law, and the value of the law in society.
Well, and some of you are asking, you know, why is it that we are so quick to ratify all these international treaties and, you know, also asking as to why, uh, for example, the United States hasn't been indicted? Well, they're not a signatory to begin with. And remember what happened uh, during Bill Clinton's administration? He basically said, you know, uh, we'll take a wait and see approach as to how this instrument works. Great intentions, but let's see how it works before we commit ourselves to it. As for African leaders, they seem to have gone and signed en masse. Why? These are the questions perhaps that need to be asked. Why are African leaders so eager to sign on and ratify these international treaties? But uh, those are some of the questions that many of us are mulling over this morning. Give us a call on 0891104208. We're in conversation this morning with uh, Professor Chris Lunsberg, uh, Chair of the African Diplomacy at the University of Johannesburg, Ambassador Tom Wheeler, who's independent commentator and former diplomat, and also Nompumelelo Runji, who is a researcher and public policy analyst and editor at Sowetan. So uh, let's take one quick question at least before we go to uh, the news. Uh, Tichwana in Middleburg, good morning. Good morning, Alfina. Hi. Uh, yeah, my comment on this is just like, uh, you know, there's no point for, 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 for the South African government or anybody within Africa to, to, to institute that arrest against Al-Bashir. You know what? People are just taking it through from the Western world when Bush... Tony Blair were doing whatever they were doing in Iraq and later after in <laughs> Libya, this uh, Kenyan-born president, <laughs> Obama, nobody, all those guys, nobody, no no criminal charges were ever entertained against those guys. So there's no point for Africans, just because <laughs> there's no point for Africans to, 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 to like, effect arrest on this. African leaders, they are just following cues from, 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 from the, the, the Western world because they don't want to institute charges against their own leaders. It's like they are immune against crimes against the humanity when it comes to, 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 to Africa. So okay. there's no point for Africans to, to comply with that. All right. Uh, Tijuana says no point for African leaders to comply. Why sign? If you're not going to comply, the forum at eight right now, and the question we're asking you this morning: Should South, uh, should African leaders rather protect uh, Sudanese President Umar Al Bashir? Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. Let's speak to Mlu in Ladysmith. Good morning. Uh, morning, Patrick. Are you well? And you? Good, good. Uh, this is just a layman view. Uh, uh, what is standard three? Uh, basically, basically, I think. It's, it's time for 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 South African government to basically correct the diplomatic error that they actually when they voted against uh, uh, when they voted to ask Gaddafi in, in in Libya, you know. So now we are aware of the tables what uh, in fact UN intervention can bring to us. And maybe to Nampumalele and Alex, I just want to find out if it not uh, the same immunity that usually is given say. We, we know that uh, Mugabe is sanctioned all over the world, but he can still travel to the Vatican. It is not the same immunity in this case that the South African government has sort of uh, given to al-Bashir and allowed him to travel in the country. You know, that's basically that's my question. Thank you so much, Mlu. Let's go to you in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning, Shikina. Hi, Hugh. My, 
Mine's a comment rather than a question. I just wonder what it says both to our South African citizens and to the rest of the world when we welcome in Bashir, but we prevent the Dalai Lama from coming to our country. All right. Thanks so much, Hugh. And um, those questions have been asked by many of our listeners on our other platforms as well, Professor Landsberg. Mm. Look, let me, let me just say that the previous uh, caller uh, before, uh, was it uh, Lou now? Um, Lou. He, yes. But I, I, think he stole my, I, I think he stole my thunder. You see, nothing is going to prevent President Robert Mugabe from attending the UN General Assembly, the 70th UN General Assembly, in September, unless, of course, the United Nations want to, wants to violate, sorry, the United States wishes to violate international law and diplomatic immunity. You see, Mbumulelo, you're going to have to change the Vienna Convention of 1961 if you want to arrest African leaders who come here under diplomatic protection because they are allowed to go to Geneva, they are allowed to go to New York and not being arrested by the United States, even if they have sanctions slapped against these heads of states. But so, so let's just put that issue aside for a moment. The real issue here is, is the one Sakina asked. Why is it, and, and, and it touches on the Dalai Lama question, why are our governments so keen to sign these documents? So the same President Mugabe who arrested Pierre Corinziza just last night said, why do we sign term limits? Why do we agree to term limits as African heads of states? So on the one hand, he he, he comes down like a ton of bricks on a fellow head of state who wants to run for third term. On the other hand, um, he, he attacks the AU provisions for, for, for these things. You see, there's a contradiction where we sign up these treaties, these um, declarations, these protocols, but we don't live by it. And it comes to the Dalai Lama question. There are interests at stake here. If these African states refuse to sign their own statute, um, they would have been threatened not to get aid. And nothing prevents South Africa, by the way, or any African state from taking George W. Bush um, to the ICC for the Iraq invasion. So why wouldn't they do it? Is it because, you know, the United States is too powerful? At the end of the day, Sakina, just finally, at the end of the day, South Africa is going to have to sort out this contradiction in its foreign policy where we go around document after document saying we are guided by human rights provisions. Yet in practice, we simply just struggle to walk the talk. I mean, we just can't bring ourselves to reconcile the tensions between our lofty ideals and how we act in practice, even on the Dalai Lama. Mm. And I guess uh, that is the complexity that we are dealing with. Professor Chris Landsberg, thanks for your time this morning. I believe we need to let you go. But of course, you know, what we will do is unpack this entire summit once it has concluded. On Thursday, we'll take this matter forward and look at everything that uh, was important, that was discussed at this particular summit. And um, that was, of course, uh, Professor Chris Landsberg from uh, the University of Johannesburg. Continuing with our other two guests this morning, uh, Tom Wheeler and uh, Nompumelelo Runji. And um, uh, they are, of course, from the Sowetan and a former diplomat and um, independent commentator, respectively. So let's hear 
from you. 0891-104-208. Makashule Kana says, I have to say the Al-Bashir matter is quite interesting and complex. From where I am, uh, there's no win position here uh, for South Africa. Uh, Munyek says, uh, SK, all these people who are saying he mustn't be arrested, do they even know what uh, he has done uh, back in his homeland? And Mlungisi says, uh, but is this not similar to Mugabe's situation with regard to the UN Assembly? And I think uh, Professor Landsberg just touched on that particular situation now. And of course, so many other uh, uh, positions being stated here. Nkosing um, Pile says, um, why can't they go and arrest this guy in Sudan? Because they have the resources. And many people have asked this very question this morning, Tom Wheeler. Well, uh, the International Criminal Court does not have an executive arm. In other words, it doesn't have a police force or an army to go in. It relies on governments to, uh, which are parties or, uh, to hand over the person concerned. Now, you can't imagine that the Sudanese government is going to hand over their president. Uh, and the International Criminal Court has no means of doing it. So the only opportunity that exists is when... uh, al-Bashir moves to a country where uh, which is a member uh, state a party to the the statute of the International Criminal Court and then ask that that government arrest the the person that they are looking for and that's the dilemma that we are in now can the government refuse though of that particular country because going back to 2012 and what happened with Joyce Banda in Malawi I mean she she was clear that he would be arrested yeah. if he came to Malawi, yeah. but uh, others not. Yeah, you see, this is a political decision that's been taken here to fudge this issue, claim its immunity because it's an AU uh, matter, but it's, uh, it's uh, we are losing all the way around on this one, our reputation, uh, our attitude that we're, you know, a human, uh, human rights is a key, key cornerstone of our foreign policy and so on are all suffering as a result of what's happening here. Mm. Um, Sir Mtandazo says, remember how Charles Taylor was arrested in Nigeria? And I must say, you know, watching those visuals yesterday, um, uh, I couldn't help but think, you know, um, Alan Johnson Sirleaf standing a few meters away from Umar and al-Bashir. And at that point, I would have loved to know what her thoughts were mm-hmm. about this particular matter, her thoughts in particular. But let's go to the lines and then we'll answer a few questions. Funani in East London, good morning. Morning, Sakina, and greetings to your guest. My point relates to the last SMS. But I want to start by saying, not the last, the, the previous SMS, I want to start by saying I've got a problem with all the dictators and the warlords of Africa, and I strongly believe that something must be done to cap the, the, the warmongering that we've seen in Africa. At the same time, I've got a problem with the double standards of countries like this one. For instance, one of your, your comments on, uh, on uh, the Dalai Lama and how we treated the Dalai Lama. That notwithstanding, I believe that the international community, whether they come as ICC, UN, or whatever, when they want to come to Africa, they come to Africa and they take what they want. When they didn't want a president in Cote d'Ivoire, they dropped their French bombs. When they didn't want Muammar Gaddafi, they dropped their French bombs, American bombs, British bombs, and end of Gaddafi. The point is, if they want al-Bashir, 
the best we can do is to give them the GPS coordinates. Let them go find him there. <laughs> they know where he lives. They know who his children are. They know where he works. Let them go find him there. We came as Africans. We gathered in one place to discuss the problems of Africa. Now we are today. We can't talk about the concerns of the African continent. How do we get out of the trap we were put by the colonizers? We're discussing this small thing. So I say, let them go find him in Sudan. Okay, Funani. Send the GPS coordinates. Uh, Hassan Logat in Indonesia, good morning. Uh, good morning. In my neck of the woods, uh, you would imagine that questions of Palestine solidarity and that uh, are paramount. So we who work for trade unions, NGOs and others get sometimes accused of almost collaborating with Western agendas, uh, in, in my case clearly with something which I reject. So, so the question for me then is that, you know, if you want to get uh, uh, Netanyahu or whoever, uh, there are laws that uh, uh, and, and jurisprudence that actually suggest that uh, uh, gross human rights violations uh, a country can act on it. You know, so clearly, I mean, I think what we need to dis- get out of the way here is that all these issues are governed by p- uh, politics and our own interest. There is no standing out there that is neutral. You know, so if if you're saying that we are losing out. Why is the United States not losing out for its support uh, for, for, for bad causes? Why is it not losing out for not signing the rights of the child? You know, so clearly, th- I mean, what we're just getting real on, and FIFA helped to unmask this, this is how they work. You put a treaty there to regulate uh, tra- uh, um, transnational corporations, which is happening now. They bribe, they connive, they put things like that. And Mr. Wheeler must tell people, there's no good discussions there. So, so clearly, it's about power and protecting the interests. What about the arms deal? The guys who are selling the arms, which countries are those? Are they G8 countries? Why is there no action on them? Why is there full, full with arms today? So clearly the discussion must be broadened, not around Bashir. Bashir is a problem uh, for his people, for the neighboring countries, but the bigger problem must also be dealt with. Mm, got you there, Hassan Logat. Let's go to Anthony and Waverley. Good morning, Anthony. Yeah, how's it? Good and uh, you? Uh, you know, I think we this response we've got is a, a hand-wringing response. And um, we must remember that for someone to get taken to the ICC, it, it, someone has to take them there. And I don't know who took uh, Mohammed al-Bashir to it, but it was an African leader that took him to the ICC. And um, we must also remember what he did. You know, he slaughtered many, many black Africans in southern Sudan, black Africans, mainly Christian, but black Africans. And we, you know, in, in South Africa, we always talk about how we have to value um, black life more, and we do. So by doing nothing here and hand-wringing, we are devaluing black lives. And the whole agenda in Africa should be to put value on black lives and not to devalue them. And that's exactly what we're doing by hand-wringing. Okay, that's Anthony and Waverley. Sinatema in Port Elizabeth. Hi, it's Tema here. Sagina. Yes. Uh, the, int- the introduction to law says any law is enacted or passed to normalize or regulate society. In this case, South Africa has not uh, complied with ICC request or whoever's request in the in the good cause or looking into greater good in the interest of South Africa and Africa. We are a country in Africa and we just cannot lose our stature and our role, bigger role in Africa, leading Africa to greater development. We would not have afforded 
to stand against Africa and AU's resolution to say we do not cooperate with ICC. So in this case, South Africa has done very well not to cooperate because the agenda that of developing Africa and ensuring that there's a rule of law in Africa is greater than Bashir himself and ICC. And if we are to value the black life, should start by improving the economic condition of black people in this country. So, okay. All right. Got you that, uh, Sina Temba. Um, I want to, I want to bring in a, d- a different uh, side to this debate, uh, Sakina. We can't ignore the criticisms against the ICC itself. Um, the ICC has been criticized for um, focusing on Africa. You know, when most of its cases come from Africa. That's the first thing. And that has not helped its own credibility. Uh, the thing that has informed this um, approach was that uh, the cases were uh, uh, referred by African state parties themselves to the ICC, which is a, a good point. Uh, secondly, the court would not have been operationalized had it not taken those cases on in the first place. So it can't not act because things are happening or the cases before it all come from Africa. That's the first thing. The second thing is that, um, yes, there were uh, threats of aid being taken away from countries, perhaps if they don't sign on to the Rome Statutes, etc., like uh, Professor Landsberg was mentioning. But the other side of the story is that um, the Rome Statute became useful for politicians to uh, deal with their own political issues inside their countries, deal with their political foes. So you'd find uh, the sitting president in the DRC, Kabila, referring his own uh, opposition foes who they were fighting together in the trenches uh, uh, for committing crimes against humanity, etc., because it suited his political agenda at the time. The difficulty is that when it starts working against your own agenda, when, when, the, when the ICC begins to start doing a work that actually deals with uh, dictators, actually deals with the issues of, of crimes against humanity and war crimes committed against innocent citizens that should be protected by their governments and not uh, be preyed upon uh, by power-hungry and, 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 and um, uh, cruel leaders. So those are, those are some of the things that we need to look at when we look at this. No, no party is innocent. Everyone has interests in this thing. Mm. The other thing that we need to look at is that the U.S. rightfully did not sign uh, the, the Rome Statute. We cannot fault the ICC for not being able to go and uh, uh, deal with Bush, for instance. It has no jurisdiction over the U.S., for instance. Uh, and until such a time that um, either the U.S. signs or the... the, the I'm, I'm not so sure, I'd have to be corrected here, if Iraq perhaps is a state's party and would like to refer some of the actions of the U.S. to the court, the, the court's hands are tied. So we, we can't blame the ICC for taking cases that Africa itself has referred to it uh, and then blame uh, the ICC for the U.S. not signing and becoming state parties to the Rome Statute. We made a conscious decision as a continent, uh, as, as South Africa as well, to sign on to the statute. We can't decide in the middle and say now uh, the African National Congress is reconsidering whether or not to continue participating. The fact of the matter is even if they're reconsidering it, we are still member states and we still have obligations and the question on the forum at eight should uh, african leaders protect umar al-bashir that's what we're talking about this morning let's just take uh, the last batch of calls and then wrap it up uh leandre in johannesburg good morning yes morning sakina hi yes can you hear me clearly 
Okay. Yeah, Sakina, I just want to congratulate the South African government for sending a message to the world. For those who do not understand, it's not a, an incident. South Africa is sending a message to the world to say that the ICC is a useless organization because ICC is just the continuity of imperialism and colonialism. If they were serious, people like George Bush or Sarkozy, Tony Blair would be there. I want to correct Nompumelelo for saying that it's the fact that America didn't sign it is, uh, is the reason why Bush is not being pursued. The ICC could have pursued them, and then the American government could have said, okay, we are not signatory of this. So I want... Uh, the next thing that will happen is that South Africa will, will withdraw from the ICC. And I want to tell you that we are in the crucial point. It's about the sovereignty of African states. So I want to congratulate President Zuma for his stand because it is a strong message that we are sending to the world. Okay, that's Leandre in Johannesburg. Eric in Cape Town. Good morning, Sakina. Um, I'm very, very proud for the last guy that just spoke now. And I'm very, very proud as well for the previous guy that spoke about the GPS. Honestly, this whole issue is not just about South Africa. It's about decolonization of the whole Africa. I'm Eric I'm a Cameroonian. Uh, Africa was being prosecuted for a long time. When we look about the case of uh, Muammar Karafi, of Ivory Coast, when we look about many other cases outside there, we just realized that French government, United States, British government, they came in Africa, they imposed any president, they imposed whatsoever that they want, they want to impose. If any president doesn't cope or do exactly what they want, they would like to target him, and he's going to be the next president to be out. Uh, uh, the only thing that I would like to say, maybe for South Africa government, is to know that many other countries in Africa are watching them. They're looking at them with all the all eyes, and they're hoping that they will take the right decision and stick on the point of the fact that uh, that president will go back to his country without being prosecuted. Thanks so much, and have a good day. Thank you so much, Eric. And Cape Town, Aloysius in Pretoria. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. Um, uh, I'm also uh, alluding to the last two speakers that I talked about because um, I think it's very insulting for Africa. To be always for African uh, presidency, to be always arranged to this hag of a thing or this uh, nonsensical thing of ICC. Because um, if we uh, if we say that America did not sign the rock studies, what about Israel? Didn't Israel sign? Because um, what Netanyahu has implemented is that the enemy, the children of our enemies, are the enemies of our children. So kill them before they grow. So what about Netanyahu? Can't we bring him to ICC? All right, got you there, Aloysius. And um, before the panel answers, let me just run through some of the comments here. Uh, Tipi Mutsuneng says, we sold our sovereignty to uh, these Roman statutes, and, uh, but it's not too late. We can buy it back by taking a firm stand on these matters. Abner Letzele says, there's a general naivety about the implications of our status as a constitutional democracy, especially in cabinet. Uh, Zubair Sayed says, the ICC is hugely problematic but so too is Omar al-Bashir and this is a case of two wrongs not making a right. Uh, Josh Africa says Bashir isn't visiting South Africa. He's here for the AU summit as a UN summit in New York. Why are they not uh, why 
basically why would they not would they not arrest people there i think is where he's going and then uh joshua says uh we must arrest him because we are a signatory or issue a statement now that we are withdrawing from the icc and mr Geze says if the au supports bashir's innocence then the au should represent him at the icc let him appear before the court but i must say many people also saying that south africa and the AU is doing the right thing by protecting al-Bashir. Tom Wheeler? It's a, it's a tricky one. Uh, I think it goes back to that idea of interests. What is in our interest? Is it in our interest to protect Bashir? Is it in our interest to leave the court uh, and tarnish our image as a, a human rights-based uh, democracy? Uh, it, the, it, 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 it becomes political. It's not a legal issue anymore. And uh, by arguing about whether he's here for the AU or here for uh, as a guest of the South African government is really not, re- not relevant. The question of the UN, uh, the United States and the UN signed an agreement that any leader coming to New York to a session of the United Nations would have immunity. There is no such agreement with uh, the AU and and member countries uh, which would prevent the International Criminal Court from acting. Well, um, I hear the majority of the listeners talking about uh, colonialism and decolonizing decolonizing Africa. Well, Mm -hmm. we, you know, signing treaties is an act of sovereignty. Uh, South Africa and other African member states of the ICC signed voluntarily. They went and exercised their sovereignty and signed onto the Rome Statute saying we want to uh, apply it and we want to abide by this legal international principle. Um, and then the last thing that uh, we're going to have a challenge with after this saga ends is the question of separation of powers as it is in our constitution. Um, because executive at this stage would have acted in defiance to the courts. What does that mean for us moving forward? What does that mean between the relationship between the executive, the legislature, and the judiciary moving forward? And what does it mean for the rule of law in this country? Um, those are some of the implications that we'll now have to that look is a at big and if, consider. If Umar if, al-Bashir yes, has already left the country. If Umar al-Bashir has left and, and if we have not prevented him from leaving the country. Those are some of the things we'd have to sit as a country and now have to mull over because we've jeopardized our own democratic constitutional principles. Well, and I guess everybody uh, waiting with bated breath to see the next session, you know, uh, kicking off. And everybody will be looking to see whether President Omar al-Bashir is actually there. And, of course, also waiting for the courts uh, to uh, resume and give their ruling later. I believe it's at 11 o'clock today. So we will then know more about the situation as it stands. As to where Omar al-Bashir is right now. Your guess is as good as mine. But that's where we're going to leave it. Uh, thank you so much to our guests this morning, Ambassador Tom Wheeler and Nompumelelo Runji. And of course, to you as always for fantastic participation and to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. It's nine o'clock and time for news with Sikona Miso.